you, Jesus. I want to share something with you that the Lord has put on my heart, and I just want you to pray with me. Amen. I, want to, I know God has given me something to speak to today, and I need your faith. So please pray for me. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God, we need you today, God. Let your word come into our hearts, God. Let your word go deep into our thoughts and our feelings, God. Plant it deep inside of us and change us by it, God. Lord, release us to speak it, God. Lord, without fumbling or stumbling, but in clarity, God, in Jesus' name. Equip us today, God. Prepare us today, God, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I was thinking this morning of, of um, the fact that even the Apostle Paul, who we wish we could have been with, amen, this man who walked into settings and and um, says that he discerned that the power of God was present to heal. And he spoke a word and people were instantly healed, miraculously healed. This man who cast out demons. Amen. This man who uh, picked up serpents. Amen. Who when people were bitten, laid, their, laid his hands on them and they were not harmed. Amen. This man had this situation in his life and he doesn't give us all the details amen because he wants us to see our own situation in his situation amen and he but he had this situation that he called a thorn in the flesh amen and he went and asked the lord about it he sought the lord about it three times and it tells us that the thorn came and Paul went and sought the lord about it because he knew that the Lord had sent it to him. Is that right? Did the Lord put that thorn in Paul's flesh? Did the Lord make him weak? It says the devil, it says Satan provided a thorn for my flesh. Amen? So the devil put it there, but he sought the Lord about it three times. And we don't know exactly why he sought it three times, why he sought the Lord three times. Maybe the Lord answered him the first time, and it took him three times just to believe it with all his heart. Maybe the Lord didn't answer him, except in bits and pieces, and it took all three times before the picture became clear. Maybe the Lord was completely silent until the third time. Maybe one of you knows and can explain it. I don't know. But we know he sought the Lord repeatedly about this because there was something in Paul that felt like this situation was incompatible with the heart of God. It was in disagreement with what God wanted for Paul. Amen? God loves Paul. God's provided Paul with the Holy Spirit, the most powerful force in the, in the universe. God has given Paul the power to, to, to heal the sick, to perform miracles, to, to write two-thirds of the New Testament, to win thousands upon thousands of people to salvation in Jesus. Amen? And here this powerful God has this powerful vessel and he's got this thorn in his flesh. Amen? So he goes to the Lord and he asks the Lord to remove it. 
Amen? Why didn't the Lord remove it? Is God all-powerful? Does God heal the sick? Does God perform miracles? Why didn't the Lord remove it? Amen. Amen? I was thinking of that song this morning when I was praying. I actually started feeling the Holy Ghost and I started singing it. God's got it all in control. You know the song? He's got it all in control. You know, he put that reassurance way down in my soul. I was feeling the Holy Ghost and I thought, what about things like that, God? Every time I get a headache, is it God controlling it? Did God send it to me? Every time someone breaks a leg, did God break their leg? Every time they get cancer, did God give them the cancer? What about things that involve other people where they do wrong things to you? Someone is terribly abused or terribly hurt somehow. Mistreated, betrayed. God's got it all. Really? Amen. At once, the the thought that God's got it all in control, it can be incredible consolation, and then it can cause, it can be very disturbing, can't it? Amen. So we have to understand how God's got it in control. Because it tells us how God is God, how He's sovereign. What is the way that He reigns in our lives? Amen? So, just for the sake of understanding, when, when someone breaks a leg, did God break their leg? So does He not have it all in control? Everything but broken legs, that is. When someone gets cancer, does God give them cancer? Hmm? Well, then why did Paul seek the Lord about the thorn? Some of you are saying, no, no, no. But nobody's really sure. Does God have it all in control? Okay, so we agree on that. So did God give the cancer? Does it, so he's got it all but the cancer in control. Boy, this is confusing. Amen. Exactly. It's a little bit of a trick question. Because are we asking in an immediate sense? Or are we asking in an ultimate sense? Eternal sense. Amen. Who crucified the Lord of glory? If the rulers of this world had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Amen. Jesus submitted to the unjust death on the cross. Amen. And yet in the prophecy of Isaiah it says... He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon Him. And the Lord God laid it upon Him. Amen? The Lord God saw fit to lay it upon Him. But then elsewhere it says that the rulers of this world laid it upon Him. It says they crucified the Lord of glory. Amen? So it's this question of what is happening in the immediate Versus what is happening in the ultimate, in the eternal picture. Amen? And in the immediate, who is the God of this world? Who is the ruler of this world, the prince of this world? And why is that so? Because in a, in, 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 when, when, it, when this world was created, when God made the world, it was perfect. It was kitov, kitov. Am I saying that right? 
it was just right. There was no pain. There was no suffering. There was no judgment. There was nothing but perfection and peace and harmony and God's love and life. Amen? And God took a risk. In the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, Paul tells us that God subjected the creation to futility in hope. Amen? Not futility. is talking about us. We're the futility in that passage. But he subjected the creation to futility in hope. And what was the hope? The hope was that one day men and women would find it in themselves, in their innermost being. They would find the devotion and the love of God more compelling than the compulsion that came from the external sensations, the things they encountered in the physical. Amen? But he gave man this earth. He gave man dominion over this world when it was still good. He, gave, he subjected it to man's futility in hope. He gave it as a gift. Amen? In Psalms 115 and 16, it says, The heavens, the heavens, these are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. Amen. Psalms 8, 16 says the same thing. Genesis tells us that he put all things under dominion, under man's dominion. Every animal that walks, every fish in the sea, every bird in the air, he put all the works, made him to be ruler over all the works of his hands, David said. Amen. And God wanted to reign on this earth through a voluntary relationship with man. But man took that voluntary freedom Amen. He took that freedom that God gave him and he chose to do something else, didn't he? He subjected himself to the manipulation of a, of a great deceiver. He allowed himself to be duped, ultimately. But he did so by disobeying God, by distrusting God. Amen. The Lord said, don't eat of this tree. If you eat of this tree, you're going to die. Don't do it. Man knew God. God knew man. They walked in the cool of the day. He should have trusted God, but he chose instead to grasp for, for a godhood, for a place that wasn't given to him, and he was deceived. And why was he deceived? Because the devil dangled something in front of him that was pleasing to man's sensations. Amen? It was pleasing to the eye. And that is how the devil reigns in the world. He reigns through manipulating the things that we can touch, See, smell, hear. He, 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 he manipulates the things that our senses need. Amen? And then he uses those same senses to manipulate us by controlling us through the th fear of death. Amen? So it's pleasing to the eye. Man took it. Now what has happened? Man has taken himself outside of submission to God and he's taken himself and all the things he's in control of, which includes the world, and he has willingly subjected himself to the wrong power, the power of evil, the power of wickedness, amen, the power of violence and brute force, amen? So now the God of this world is not the Lord, it's the enemy, amen. But in an ultimate sense, God is still hoping, amen? In fact, that hope is sure. God knows that someday, somehow, His love is going to penetrate all the barriers and obstacles to man's heart. It's going to get inside of man's soul. 
and the kingdom of God is going to be within us. Amen? And there are going to be things that flesh and blood and our natural sensations can't reveal. Amen? And upon that rock, God is going to build a church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. Amen? So the story of Job is a perfect illustration of this, isn't it? Job and his friends set up a dichotomy because they didn't understand the nature of God's sovereignty. Amen? They understood that God was in control. And they understood that God was just. Therefore, if God is in control and bad things are happening to me and God is just, what does that mean about me? That this must be a punishment. Amen? Was the things that Job suffered, were they a punishment? Some people aren't answering. Were they a punishment for specific egregious violations he had committed against the knowledge he had of God at that time in his life? Just made it easier, didn't they? No. But were they a form of judgment? Because the DNA of Adam pulsed in Job's veins, just like it does in ours, Job was under the judgment that Adam released on all mankind. Amen? So in a passive sense, yes, Job had no right to dispute the fairness of God because he's human. And just being human makes him heir to the judgment of the sinful man. Amen? So there's really nothing that can happen to us that we can say, that's unfair. You see what I'm saying? Because we're not perfect. We, and in our imperfection, we become partakers of Adam's sin. Amen? And therefore, we become rightful partakers of Adam's judgment. The judgment that says, in the day that you eat of it, literally dying, you will die, right? Amen? Are you still with me? So, even though Job's and his friend's dichotomy was false, in some sense, it was true. So at the end, he says, I repent in dust and ashes. What is he repenting of? So did he commit all those sins that he told the Lord he hadn't committed? No. God wasn't personally bringing judgment to bear for specific sins he had committed according to, against the knowledge he had of God at that time. But Job was under the judgment of the curse because he was a human being. Do you understand? So there was a sense in which he didn't have any right to complain against God. Amen? So they had set up this, this false dichotomy, and they said it was God judging Job. It wasn't God judging Job. What was it? Was it God being unjust? Eliphaz says it's God judging you, Job. You did something really bad. And it really wasn't. Amen? In an immediate sense, it wasn't. But was it God being unjust? That's what Job battled with. You remember? He said, Lord, we have no mediator between us. Nobody can grab both of us and bring us under control. He said, how can you do these things to me? Do you see with the eyes of flesh? Do you feel like a human feels? Amen. He says, there's, no, there's, no, uh, there's nobody who can, dis- who can settle this dispute with us. Because Job knows that he has been walking according to the best of his ability, according to the integrity that God has given him. Amen. And the Lord doesn't come and say, no, you're wrong. You did all those evil things. He doesn't say that at all. He rebukes Job's friends for claiming that. But neither is God unjust. Amen? And what was really happening? 
Was was God just using his power to be unkind to Job? What was really happening? God was believing in Job. And God was risking his own reputation on Job's integrity. Amen? God knew, and Job in the end knew also because he's probably the one who wrote it, but God knew that we were involved in a cosmic battle. Amen? And he chose Job as his man to win one of the most pivotal battles in history against the power of coercion through the manipulation of the things we feel. Do you understand? Job brought a blow against the power of Satan that no one in human history had yet brought. And it was a foretaste of what Jesus would bring. Amen? Job said, my integrity is not based on my circumstance. My conscience is not conditional. Amen? Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. He said, there is something that the God of the universe, the numinous God who is spirit, he has tapped something in my innermost being. And though my flesh decay, though it be covered in blisters, though everything I have on the outside be stolen and robbed from me, he proved that the devil was a liar, that it is not skin for skin. That man can prove faithful even when he is robbed of everything he wants and needs in the physical realm. Amen? So Job was involved in an incredible cosmic conflict. Amen? And he was faithful. Now think about it. If you go through something, if someone goes out on the battlefield, for all history... People who suffer wounds on the battlefield, their wounds are are an emblem of pride. They're They're a sign of pride and glory that I have scars to prove my faithfulness. Because they won those, they they won great victory. They won they won great victory, and those those wounds just are the cost of it. Amen? Try to picture something, if you will, in your mind. Let's say somebody goes out on the battlefield and and, and they lose a finger, okay, all right? And they come back and they say, you know, I stood against Goliath, and the odds were impossible, and the entire nation of Israel was under threat. But by God, I, I rallied my courage, and I put myself at risk, and I won a victory that protected everything we are. And yes, I lost a finger, But look what I won. Look what I gained. Amen? Does that not evoke a sense of worthiness and worth? Amen. From you and from them. How is that different than if he was chopping carrots and he lost his finger? Because it's not a battle. It seems meaningless. Human beings are okay with suffering so long as it's for something. Amen? Where they get discouraged about suffering is when it seems like it's meaningless. Amen? 
We're okay with suffering. People are okay with suffering. They suffer every day when they go and work a job that they don't like for a boss that they really don't like. But they come home with something they do like. Amen? But if they don't like either, if they, don't, if they put all the effort out and they don't ever get the reward, it seems meaningless and they stop doing it. Do you understand? Well, the same is true with what Job was going through. In his small perspective, he thought this was just random. This was just meaningless. And apart from God, it is. And it's not just Job who suffers those things. Go down to the hospitals and see that it's not just Christians who have cancer. It's not just Christians who suffer loss, lose their babies. Everybody is going through it. The curse is hounding all of us all the way to the grave. Amen? But it's Christians who have the capacity and the power because of their connection and relationship with God and their understanding of a cosmic conflict. It's Christians who have the ability to see the things they suffer dignified and elevated to the level of a cosmic battle that they can prove faithful in. Amen? Everybody goes through it. Everybody loses things. Everybody has something in their family or in their own life. Everybody eventually dies. But we can, can, can understand the meaning of it and, and fight for a cause. Do you understand? Amen. So Job realized in the end that he wasn't going through this for nothing. These were battle wounds. These were scars. He won in a fight between God and Satan. Do you understand? And that's what he showed us about suffering. Amen. First of all, he showed us that Satan came and, and challenged God. Amen. And he said that Job, Job had no loyalty to God. That's really what Satan was saying in a paraphrase. Job has no loyalty to you. He has no honor for you. He has no respect for you. He loves you because you've done good things to him. Take away what you've given him and he's going to curse you to your face. And the Lord says, no, consider my servant Job. Amen. Consider my servant Job. There is none like him in all the world. He was the only man in all the world that God could pin his hopes on in that, in that day. This creation that was subjected to futility and hope, he was the only bright spot in all the mass of humanity that had been totally bought by the lie of the devil. Amen. He said, consider my, my servant Job. You can take away everything that he has, but don't harm his body. And you watch and see, he is going to remain faithful. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Job is fighting for a territory called trust. And in that territory... Thousands upon ten thousands are going to take their stand against the devil. We stand on the territory he fought for back 5,000 years ago. Amen. He didn't know it at the time, but he understood it. And he fought valiantly. He didn't know what he was fighting for, but he knew who he was fighting not to betray. Amen. And he fought and he fought and he fought and he fought. And his wife said, oh, curse God and die. Amen. Just give up. This is meaningless. Amen. And 
He said, no, even though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I don't understand it. I'm full of questions. Amen. But I am not going to let my integrity be determined by my circumstance. I am going to hang on. I am going to believe that there is something that I am going to see in the end. I am going to stand and I am going to see my Redeemer face to face. He is going to stand upon the earth. Amen. And what if I give up the ground I'm fighting for? Maybe there's going to be no ground for him to return to. Amen. Maybe I'm going to lose the last frontier of God's kingdom that is in this world under the control of the evil one. Amen. And he did it. He did it. And he proved a monumental truth. A truth that the servants of God still wield against the devil to this day. Amen. And that truth is, I can't be controlled by what you do, by what I experience sensually through my senses. Amen? I really can have something inside of me that is stronger and more powerful than anything I can experience in the natural, in the physical realm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's nothing that could be more powerful because that's how the devil reigns, isn't it? Amen. He reigns through the fear of death. So if he can bring it all against us, and, and Job, in essence, takes the, the spear and he breaks it in half, what power does the devil have? He has taught all of us how to disarm principalities and powers. Amen. And Jesus would ultimately do that in the fullest sense, wouldn't he? Amen. Now he comes... In this world that is under the control of the evil one. You say, well, if it's under the control of the evil one, does God do anything in the world? Hmm? How does, how does God, how do we explain the activity of God in the world today? Let's think of it like Israel and Iran, okay? I've got a hunch that Israel's probably got a presence in Iran, and uh, Iran probably doesn't know about it. He's saying, I don't know, maybe, you know. No. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> Israel, no doubt, has a presence in Iran. In fact, nobody would say that Israel is the sovereign power over Iran, would we? <laughs> but these amazing things happen from time to time. Whole nuclear power plants just erupt in flames. And we all say, hmm, somebody's been at work. Amen? And key intelligence gets passed through channels that nobody quite understands. And we say, hmm, somebody's involved. Amen? Israel is a powerful force in Iran. But it is not the ruler of Iran. Iran has chosen by their own free will to elect Ayatollah Insani to be their, their supreme leader. Amen? <laughs> Amen. So, but Israel is still involved, isn't it? Well, that is kind of similar to how God is involved in the world. He's not the ruler because we gave the thing that was given to us. We gave rights to the wrong power. We gave rights to Iran, if you will. Amen. But God still has an insurgent force. He has angels who are part of this whole system, this whole universe, who have not submitted like we did. Amen. And he has men and women 
who are changing their minds and all through history are making a stand and saying, God, I'm going to put my life on the line. I am your man in this world under the dominion of darkness. Amen? So he has a Moses here, and he's got a, an Abraham there, and he's got a Joseph here. And, and through these people, he keeps an active, powerful, interventionary force in this world. But because he can't deny himself, he can't forcibly take what he freely gave. Do you understand? So the, the enemy is still in control. And in the end, God, there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth in which dwelleth righteousness. Amen? But right now, God needs to, to do a, a mass exodus. He needs to bring together all of the people in Iran who don't like submitting to the Ayatollah Khomeini. Amen? He wants to bring them together and in just the right time, amen, he wants to save them out of this dominion and bring them into a place where he is all in all, amen, where the lamb shall reign and he shall be on the throne, amen, and he shall wipe away every tear, amen. He'll take away all sighing and sadness. There will be no dominion or power or rule, amen. It will just be the Garden of Eden again, but we're not there yet, amen. And Jesus came to inaugurate, to make official, and to empower those who had been struggling to be part of God's insur insurgency. He came to the lost sheep of Israel as their captain, the captain of their salvation. Amen? And he, he needed to show them how, through example, he needed to show us how you can overcome the power of the devil. The answer is not to become like him and to use his same power. It is going to surprise rulers and authorities. He, is, he has a wisdom that they are never going to see coming. They are going to be prepared for every sort of brute force attack. They are going to have their defenses ready. But he is going to slip in unawares right into their kingdom through the helpless crying of a baby. Amen. And he's going to rise up. And he's going to love people. He's going to show mercy to people. He's going to heal people. And then he's going to disarm them by dying. Amen. Nobody saw it coming. Amen. But what was different about Jesus is that Jesus was not under the curse of Adam. Amen. He did not have the sinful DNA of Adam flowing through his veins. He did not have the sins of Adam hanging over him. He was the second Adam, and there was no sin in him, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Amen. And so what did he have? He had at his disposal everything we wish we had today. Amen. Do you understand? He had at his disposal everything as Christians that we pray for and that we wish we had all the time. Amen. In short, he had 12 legions of angels at his disposal that could have saved him and guided him out of every conceivable situation of threat or harm. Thank you, Jesus. And yet, what did he do? If he had used the powers that he had for himself, he, would have, he wouldn't have been able, we wouldn't have been able to relate to him. Amen? He would not have been our exemplary Messiah. He would not have shown the way. He would not have become the new and living way out of the kingdoms of this world. Amen. So what did he do? Who being made in the very, 
in very nature God, amen, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped for, amen. What did he do? He emptied himself, amen, and became obedient because he had to show us how to conquer through weakness. If he had conquered through strength, we would have just beat our fists into our palms and said, God, why don't you help us? Jesus, you helped him. Why don't you help us? So he had to show us how to conquer through weakness. Amen. We don't have 12 legions of angels. We can't snap our fingers and say, take the thorn out, God. Amen. Are there times, do we pray every time, at least three times for the thorn to be taken out? Hmm? Yes, of course. Because there are times when Israel is sending in rockets. Amen. There are times when, when Israel is doing an emergency evac and they're taking people out of the dominion of darkness. Amen. But God is not changing the government of this world. He is setting up a new kind of government. And it is the kingdom of God that is in our hearts. Hallelujah. Amen. So Jesus came face to face with weakness that he didn't have to walk in. He could have gone out, he could have done something entirely different, couldn't he have? He could have called 12 legions. Get me out of here. Quick. Get me out of here. Amen. But he didn't do that, did he? Amen. He said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. In one of the Gospels, he starts by saying, Abba, Father, I know all things are possible for you. Amen? And we can say that for everything we go through. It is possible for God to just fill your bank account right now. It is possible for God to just take away the sickness right now. Take away the old age right now. Amen? Take away the betrayal. Take you out of this circumstance. It's possible. Amen. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Amen? Take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Amen? So when, when they translate it, if it is possible, they're saying if it is possible without messing up the plan. Because there is a plan afoot here. There is a battle being waged here. And just evacuating everybody who gets in trouble is not necessarily winning the war and creating a kingdom where people can find refuge from the dominion of Satan. Amen? Sometimes you got to lose a thumb. Sometimes you got to suffer a wound. Amen? Sometimes you got to stay there and fight it out and handle the worst that the devil has to give you. Amen. And still prove the Lord is bigger and, and better. Amen. More powerful, stronger. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So he says, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Was it God's will to kill Jesus? Not in any immediate sense. God was willing to, to let him suffer that in the short term. Because it was God's will to make him the captain of our exodus. The captain of our salvation. Amen. It was God's will 
for the worst of brute force to be given to Jesus so that Jesus could take it and disarm it and show us that in the end, you shouldn't fear Him who hurts only the body and after that can do no more. But you should fear Him and honor Him and obey Him who has in His hands both body and soul. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. So God allows the innocent to suffer. He allows the only really innocent man to suffer. The only man who could have said the things that Job said and not been a little off. Amen. The only man who didn't have the DNA of sinful Adam. Amen. Making him guilty. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Amen. He prayed. He said, pray, lest you enter into temptation. What was the temptation? What was the temptation Jesus didn't want to enter into that night in the garden? Hmm? Self-preservation. This was the great temptation. This was the great temptation to do something that wasn't in God's will and God's perfect plan. See, Jesus had the character to willingly choose a plan that was so painful. We don't. If we had the character, God might put at our disposal more power. But we don't have his character. Amen? We would call 12 legions every time. Amen? But he showed us that even if you have the power, you've got to be willing to choose God's plan because it's bigger than you. Amen. It is a fight for a kingdom that is the salvation of all the ages. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Jesus said, What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause I was born. And for this purpose I came into the world. And what was the purpose that he told Pilate? Hmm? To bear witness to the truth. And what what was the truth? It was the same truth that Job was bearing witness to. What was the big truth that he was bearing witness to? In the ultimate sense, it was that love is stronger than death. And in the immediate sense, it is that God can get inside of people's hearts and they don't have to be controlled by the things they feel. Do you understand? That is how the enemy controls you. If he can make you... If he can make it skin for skin, then God is powerless. He's just totally one, hasn't he? Amen. But if he can find out that it's heart for heart, amen. That's different, isn't it? Amen. If you can stand there blistered and covered in ashes and your wife blaspheming and your friends accusing, and you can still stand there and say, yet though he slay me, yet will I trust him. If you can still say, Abba, Father, your will be done. I trust you, God. I trust that I'm involved in a war, that this isn't meaningless, that you see something I don't see. I trust you, God. I trust the love that you've put in my heart. I trust the truth that you've convicted me of. I trust the wisdom and the plan. And what is inside is stronger than anything you can do from without. That's the truth. 
Amen. It's the truth that Satan has just been defeated. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's the truth that says we're more than pawns to be manipulated by our sensations. Amen? We're more than Pavlov's Pavlov's dog. Amen? When the desires ring, we don't come drooling. And when the whip cracks, we don't cower in fear. Amen? We say with Job and David, I will give thanks to you, O God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am made in the image of God. I am not an animal who has great intelligence. I will give thanks to you, O God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works to me, O God, and that my soul knows very well. My mind doesn't always know it very well. My body says, how is this God's work? How is this God's dealing? How does this fit into his plan? But my soul says, wonderful are your works, O God, and that my soul knows very well. Isn't that what Jesus was saying? But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, O God. He was saying, your will is good, God, and I know it very well. Deep inside I know it. Amen. Amen. He didn't enter into temptation, did he? Amen. Did Jesus enter into temptation? What about Peter? Did he enter, enter, enter into temptation? He did, didn't he? He called the twelve legions, except this time they were just one sword. Bless his heart. Amen. And the Lord said, Peter, put your sword in its place. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Amen. If Peter had had the twelve legions, you think he would have used them that moment? Amen. Amen. But God is not going to defeat the power of evil with the same power that evil uses. Amen. His whole risk from the beginning was a belief that love would prove greater than coercion or any external sensation. Amen. That was his big risk. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just praise God for a minute. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing, God. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. David asked the question, why do the wicked prosper? Sometimes it does feel like God's best people hurt the most. Amen? Sometimes it does feel like God's best vessels are broken most often. Why? Because he looked over all the crowd of those who call him God. And he looked for a general. He looked for an officer, a leader. And he said, no, they won't do it. No, they're going to break and run. No, they're going to cave in self-pity. No, they don't have enough heart to stay in touch with me when they're suffering like that. Consider this one. 
He'll do it. He'll win a battle here. Amen. Consider my servant Jim. Consider my servant Raymond. Amen. Consider this one and consider that one. It's going to be agony. It's not going to be fun. But just watch and see. When all the flesh is taken away, deep, deep down in, they're faithful. And they are going to prove a big truth. Amen. And ultimately, the truth tells God's people, this world is not our home. We're only passing through. We are pilgrims and strangers. And we are looking for a heavenly country. Amen. Where... He is going to wipe away every tear and there will be no pain or sighing or sorrow. Amen. That's what we're ultimately fixing our eyes on. We're fixing our eyes on Jesus who has already passed through the deadly waters of the Jordan and ascended to be with the Lord forever. And we're saying, God, you're going to see me through and I'm going to be with you one day forever. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We're saying the truth says this. God didn't make a mistake when he gave man freedom and risked it all on love. The truth says this, human beings are made in the image of God. They are more than intelligent beasts. The truth says this, love, not brute force, is the most effective, victorious power in the universe. The truth says this, the God who is love can still take complete possession and dominion over our inner man. And he can begin to reign and prove victorious through us. Even while outwardly, we're fading away. Even while outwardly, we're groaning within ourselves, waiting for the adoption of our bodies. Amen. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. He's already redeemed the inner man. He's already taken possession of the inner man. Amen. The outward man... We're still looking for that redemption, aren't we? Amen. And the truth says, even while we're waiting for the redemption of our bodies, our souls have been redeemed and we are no longer controlled and manipulated by our visceral sensations. We do not fear him who can destroy only the body, but we honor and we love and we're going to prove faithful to the God who has captured our heart. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, the God who with his own blood purchased our affections, purchased our loyalty, purchased our faithfulness, and said, you belong to me. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Do we suffer? Amen. Do we beg God to help us? And does he? Yes. Amen. He does. And the curse can be, it can be neutralized in many ways that God may choose. In the days of, of, of Isaiah, the curse was neutralized through a medicine of figs. God can use medicine sometimes. Amen? It was neutralized through, uh, through, through uh, miracles of having mud put on people's eyes and dipping in the muddy Jordan. Amen? It can be neutralized with a word. It can be neutralized just by the faith that you feel in your heart. But when God chooses to intervene in Iran, it also is for a divine, eternal purpose. Amen? But when God chooses that one of His should suffer, 
He's risking a lot on you. Amen. Do you understand? He's saying, consider my servant. Amen. That's what he said to the devil about Job. Amen. And we're still considering Job to this day. We're not the devil, but amen. We're still considering what he went through to this day. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. What is Ephesians 3? We've read it recently even. What does Ephesians 3 say? Through the church, God is demonstrating to principalities and powers, to all rule and the authorities in heavenly places, the surpassing greatness of his power and the wisdom of God. Amen. There is a surpassing greatness of power, but it's not always 12 legions. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So, I want to bring it full circle. And I want to say God is calling us to something great at this time. And it's going to take sacrifice. Amen. And some are called to the sacrifice of long hours. Others to the sacrifice of the weariness of of the flesh induced by much study. Amen. Others to the sacrifice of being put to death all day long by ministering to us. Amen. And helping get the death of sin out of the body. Amen. Others are being called to the sacrifice of, of completing a project. And some are being called to the sacrifice of suffering in the body. Amen. All of us are being called. Every last one of us. If we're going to be like Jesus, we have to become partakers with him in the likeness of his death. In the hope that we might be in the fellowship of his resurrection. Amen. We cannot be Christians and not go through things. We cannot be Christians and not suffer. Amen. So we can't be dismayed when we encounter various trials. We can't be crestfallen. We can't lose heart. We've got to realize that God is saying, consider my servant. And there's a blank there where your name fits. Amen. Where my name fits. And we have the decision of what we're, are we going to put our life in that blank? We're going to put our life on that altar? Amen. Are we going to say, yes, Lord, let it be me? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody goes through this, God, but I'll go through it for you. Everybody suffers, God, but I'm not going to curse you to your face. Everybody dies, but I'm going to die for the Lord. Amen. I'm going to dignify the things that I suffer Amen. I'm going to see them as battlegrounds for the kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It's not gritting our teeth and ducking our chin and saying, I can get through this. That's not what it is. When Jesus prayed, what happened? He said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And what happened immediately afterwards? Angels came and ministered to him. Amen. Look around you. Many of those angels are sitting in your midst today. Amen. And you can be like a cornered dog. You know what people mean when they say he's like a, cornered, like a cornered dog? A dog they call man's best friend. He comes when you call 
He loves you with a certain kind of affection. They're sweet. They make us love them back. But if you ever discipline a dog in a corner, you ever try to spank a dog in a crate or discipline a dog in a corner, I don't care how loyal and lovely that dog is. I don't care if he's been your family pet forever. He is going to get so scared and his eyes are going to get so wide that he's going to start snapping at you. Amen? When people feel suffering is cornering them in and there's no out and there's no meaning, there's no purpose and it's getting closer and closer and I can feel that it's about to take my life, they can start to lash out and what is, what's the other cliche? Bite the hand that feeds them. Amen. We can be like that, can't we? We can allow the things we suffer to make us snappy and self-protective. Quick to see other people's wrongs. and We can develop a certain kind of wisdom of self-protection, cunning, to avoid any settings where we could possibly get pinned down. Amen. And if we do that, then we've made our suffering useless again. We've made it meaningless again. Amen? Amen. But if we say, God, I'm going to seek your face, and I'm going to seek your face, and I'm going to seek your face until I hear you speak to me and show me that there is a grace that is sufficient that I am supposed to find in my weakness, Amen. then it's meaningful. Amen? If we, hear, if we say to God, Lord, I'm going to seek you until I hear you say my power is made perfect in weakness. Then have we beaten the devil at his own game. Then have we disarmed principalities and powers and joined in the conquest that Jesus began. Amen? If we allow the enemy to provoke from us the predictable response, then what have we done? We have succumbed to temptation, haven't we? He said, watch, I'll poke him and he'll bite. And the Lord said, no, consider my servant Job. And the devil came and poked us and we bit his finger. And he laughed and the, and the Lord said, oh. Is there nobody who can trust me? Is there nobody who can believe in me? Is there nobody who can remember what I went through and throw their life on the altar? Is there nobody who can say, Abba, Father, nevertheless? Wouldn't it just, who knows? Who knows the conversations that are going on in heavenly places? Job didn't know. Amen. Who knows? The conversations. Amen. Who, who knows what you're fighting for? Amen. But the sufferings in the body produce grace. They produce power. My power is perfect in your weakness. Oh, God. They open up our hearts. They cause us to bend our bow our head, amen, to humble our knee, to bend our knee, amen, thank you Jesus, amen, to cease from sin, they cause us to reach out, not to bite the hand that reaches out, but they cause us to reach out and say, God, I was too proud before to receive your grace, but he gives grace to the humble and 
Now he has humbled me because of my many afflictions. And now I can receive the grace of God when it comes ministered in its various forms through your, my brothers and sisters. Amen. Never could I have opened myself to someone like this, but now I can. Now I have to. Amen. And the devil is just squirming in frustration. He is so thwarted by you. He is so disarmed and rendered powerless by you. You have made a mockery of him. Amen. And so he throws another dart at you. He tries to get at you through someone who's supposed to love you. He tries to hurt you in your weakest spot. Amen. But God is still believing in you. Amen. He's still saying, consider my servant. I want to put my name right there. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Till pretty soon you can say, consider my people. And we're all going to be counted in that number. We're all going to be part of that victory. Amen. We're all going to be those who can say, we've been made more than conquerors, overcomers in this life. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Oh, God, we need your grace. Oh, God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your purpose. Thank you for considering us, God. Help us to be worthy, Jesus. Help us to be worthy, God. Help us to be faithful, God. Help us to endure to the end, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, put me in that blank, God. Make, make me someone that you can say that about. I remember the time of most confusion, the time of most pain, that I had ever gone through. We were at, I was standing at the foot of my wife's hospital bed. And my dad called and he said, I hear the Lord saying, consider my servants. And he mentioned our names. It didn't make the pain go away. But it made the pain meaningful. It made the scars, battle scars for the kingdom of God. It made it feel like I wasn't fighting as one who beats the air and I wasn't suffering for no purpose. But I was winning some territory that other saints of God could stand in in their time of need. Amen. That's what you're doing. Amen. That's what every one of us in our time of difficulty is doing. Amen. It's like we're getting the antibiotic. We're developing the antibody that we can pass on to the next person who suffers the same thing. And the body gets stronger and stronger and more and more victorious. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We need to care for each other. We need to reach out and help each other. Amen. We need to realize that there are needs on every level. We need to be it for each other. And then we can be it for the world. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We've been called to the kingdom to love each other. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. 
My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in store. For every thorn, there is an adequate grace. Amen? And we have to limp with the thorn in order to partake of the grace. But, amen, that's God's will. He's considered us. Amen. Let's, let's prove faithful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We've been made more than conquerors, overcomers in this life. And we've been made victorious through the blood of Jesus Christ.
No reason. 